G'day and welcome to the 23rd episode of the Bowed Up Podcast. My name's Albie and today on the podcast we've got four amazing segments for you. Like I always say, I pretty much say that every single intro we do on the podcast, we'll kick off the podcast with a brand new segment uh, where I put together my greatest of all time T2011 as we head closer and closer to the ICC T20 World Cup. The second segment will be off the bat where I, where I answer your questions Sorry, um, that are all cricket related, whether it's uh, who's your favourite player or this or that. So anything cricket related, I'll answer it off your questions. Uh, then we'll move on to the weekly whack. It's been four weeks since the last podcast. I'm sorry about that. I was trying to sort out an interview for this podcast, but that couldn't go through. We couldn't get it organised in time for this podcast. So I'm sorry about that. But there's been lots of news around the cricket world um, that's especially as we head to one of the most busy um busy parts of the cricket calendar for the last year or two so it's really exciting in the cricket world and then the fourth and final segment for today will be everyone's favorite Uh, to be quite honest i don't know if if it's everyone's favorite but it's my favorite and that is obscure rules where we talk about an unknown rule in the game of cricket today we'll be talking about the man cad rule well as it's known now it's just a, a run out rule but we'll talk about that later in the fourth and final segment before we get into the podcast for today go check out my Instagram, and let's get into the 23rd episode of the Bailed Up Podcast. Welcome to Greatest of All Time, where I talk about the greatest players of all time, and also uh, give my insight and put together a team of greats of the game. Whether it's T20, ODI, or the test format, I'll put together a team But today, as we head closer and closer to the T20 World Cup in Australia, I'm going to put together the T20-11. So this is my T20-11 of all time. Uh, The openers will be Chris Gale from the West Indies and David Warner, nearing 20,000 runs for both of them. Chris Gale has retired, the universe boss has retired, but David Warner's still playing. Both can hit it to all parts of the ground. Chris Gale can be dominant, and David Warner has a bit of touch as well. He's also a gun fielder. At number three, we've got Verenda Saywag. He speaks for himself, six sixes in an over in the T20 World Cup in 2008, so that just speaks for himself. At number four, we've got A.B. de Villiers from South Africa. He's just missed a 360, can hit it to all parts of the ground. Uh, He's also a gun fielder, can take the gloves, but he's not going to be our wicketkeeper for this team. At number five, we've got Brendan McCullum from New Zealand. He's a dominant player. He smashes it to all parts of the ground and is one of the greatest T20 players of all time, in my opinion. And number six, coming from Australia, we've got Glenn Maxwell. He can also hit it to all parts of the ground. He manipulates the field with ease. He the switch hits, the reverse sweeps. He's a very inventive player and also a gun fielder. Can bowl a few overs of offspin during the middle overs as well. And number seven, we've got our wicketkeeper and captain from India, MS Dhoni. He's a great wicketkeeper. He's also a tactical master when it comes to captaining. And he's a great batter. Can... Um, Chase down totals with ease and hit the ball a long way. At number eight, we've got Dwayne Bravo coming from the West Indies. Can bowl a few overs of pace, open the bowling. He's also a great batter, can hit it a long way. Uh, Get to totals with ease. He's a very fast-paced batter and attacking batter. At number nine, we've got Rashid Khan, the greatest T20 leg spinner of all time, in my opinion, from Afghanistan. 
Uh, he's a great bowler, can bowl different types of balls, has uh, ways of uh, manipulating the batsman to do what um, he wants them to do. He's also a great batter, can hit the ball a long way like all these T20 players can. And number 10, we've got Lassith Malinga from Sri Lanka. He's got the iconic slinging arm action. Uh, he's great at Yorkers and he can hit the ball reasonably well. He's got a 50 for Sri Lanka in T20s, but uh, hopefully we can see him with the ball a fair bit in this team. And then number 11, I thought about this one a fair bit. There's a lot of um, number 11 bowlers that I thought about, but uh, when it comes to T20, all I want is some extreme pace, and that's why we have Sean Tate from Australia. He's a great T20 bowler, can bowl nearly 160Ks um, when he was in his heyday, and he was a great, great bowler. Don't know about his batting skills, but he's at a number 11, so I don't think he should bat too often. That is my greatest of all time, T2011. Before we end the segment, Yuvraj Singh actually hit six sixes and ever, not Veranda Sawag. I will still keep Veranda Sawag in the team, though. He was a very good player for a very long time. Moving on to the next segment. We've got a few questions to answer. I'm going to answer these questions straight off the bat. Today on Off the Bat, we've been given a range of questions where I have to answer it off the bat, um, where you guys can send any cricket-related question and I have to answer it. Uh, we kick it straight off with Mitch Driscoll, 22. He asked, who is the Australian T20 GOAT? The cricket, cricket.com.au is running a bit of a tournament um, to see who fans think is Australia's T20 GOAT. And I'm going to put a bit of input into this question. In my opinion, I think that Glenn Maxwell is the T20 GOAT. He has uh, four main um, things that I really like about his T20 game. He's a gun fielder. He, um, he's well known for his catches, some of the catches he's been able to pull off in the past are just absolutely ridiculous. He can run out. He has a great arm. He can throw really um, fast as well. Uh, the second thing I like about his uh, T20 performances are that he um, can also bowl a few overs in the middle. Uh, he just bowls some quick leg, uh, quick off spin, sorry. So he can rush through those overs, uh, get the balls done, and can get an occasional wicket every now and then. The third thing is his leadership skills. Um, he captains for the Melbourne Stars and the BBL, so he provides a lot with um, his leadership skills and knowing the field settings and knowing how to manipulate the fields and how to boulder the fields. And he can also occasionally help the captain um, with... Uh, the T20 positions when it comes to fielding positions as well. And then the fourth and final thing I like about his T20 game is, of course, his batting, his strong suit. He can bat wherever you want him to bat. He can open. He can bat three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And he's a dominant force when it comes to batting. He can manipulate the field really easily, hit it to all parts of the ground, and some of the shots that he plays are just ridiculous. They're so inventive. That's why I think that Glenn Maxwell is the Australian T20 GOAT. Moving on to the next question, coming in from Owen Murph, 07. What shot would you like to master? Uh... There's those T20 shots like the ramp shot and things like that. That would be pretty cool to master. Although I think I would just like to class um, uh, master a classic shot with the pull shot. 
we saw that throughout Ricky Ponting's career, he pretty much mastered it, and every single time he got it in the middle, it pinged to the boundary. So that's a shot I would really like to master because whenever a bowler bowls one short, I can rock back and hit it off the back foot, which is uh, something that um, can be really dominant when you're playing in any form of the game. So I really would like to master a pull shot. For, um, thanks for asking that question, Owen. Moving on to the next question coming from Lockie Kirkham. How are you feeling going into this season? Well, I'm actually feeling really good. I did break my arm a few months ago, as you might have heard on the previous episodes of the podcast. So I'm really excited to get into this cricket season, especially with um, the podcast getting up and running a bit as well. So hopefully I can advertise the podcast and get um, some runs this season. Last season wasn't my best season, so hopefully this season especially I can um, wicket-keep and bat as well as I possibly can. And speaking of wicket-keeping, another question comes in from Hudson Wright who asked, how many stumps behind will you get this year for your cricket season? Uh, this season I'll probably get to wicket-keep more than usual, which will be really good because I like my wicket-keeping. So it'll be good to get behind the stumps and hopefully... Um, um, uh, get a bit better at uh, keeping to spin. I've I tried really hard to train myself to get better at keeping up to the stumps. So hopefully, I think, personally, I think I might get 15 stumpings this year because I usually play about 20, 25 games. So hopefully I can um, get as many stumpings as possible to bring the team over the line. So thank you, all of you, for asking questions. If you want your questions to be um uh, to be used or you want to ask me a question in the next podcast or the next time we do this segment just go over to instagram get into the get involved story and then enter your question there i check them all the time to make sure i have any questions that you guys can ask me thanks for listening to this segment of off the bat moving on to the next segment there's been a lot of news in the past four weeks you know what that means this is the weekly whack Yes, the Weekly Whack is back where I talk about all news that is cricket-related. And as I said, there's been a lot of news in the past four weeks, so let's get straight into it. With Mark Wood, the Englishman has bowled the fastest spell by an Englishman and the fastest ball with an over of 151, 156, 152, 155, 154, 151 kilometres per hour. Only six ball over, usually when you're trying to bowl express heat. It um, usually ends up bowling one wider and no ball, but he just came back from injury. He was bowling really well, so that was against Pakistan in the third T20 international. It's really good to see him bowl super fast, especially ahead of the T20 World Cup in October. Speaking of England, they have won their seven-game series against Pakistan in Pakistan. Uh, 4-3 they won it by and there's some uh, good hopes for England ahead of the T20 World Cup with obviously Mark Wood but also um, Ben Stokes has come back into the T20 side. He didn't come back in the Pakistan series but he's um, back in Australia playing for England against Australia in a uh, pre-T20 World Cup preparation series. But Harry Brook was a real standout for me. He batted really well. Um, he can hit it to all parts of the ground, so hopefully we can see a bit of a new look um, T20 international side in the future. The Indian women's team have won their series against England, which ended with a very controversial man-cad by Deepdi Sharma to Charlie Dean when England needed only 17 runs off 39 balls to win. We'll talk about the man-cad rule later, but... Um, 
India needed one more wicket to win. Charlie Dean was on 47 and they needed 17 runs to win. And we'll talk about that more later in Obscure Rules. But it was pretty controversial. A lot of news um, came to light because of that controversial man-cad. But it's totally in the rules, which we'll talk about later. And speaking of the Indian women's cricket team, that game was Julian Goswami's final ODI, her final game in international cricket. Uh, what I've just got to say is that Julian Goswami has done a lot for uh, women's cricket over a long time. She's become a figurehead in pace bowling and just women's cricket in general, especially India. So thank you, Julian Goswami. She's done a lot for the women's game. India have won their home T20 series versus Australia in India, obviously, because I said home T20 series. Um, but uh, Tim David made his international debut. He got a 50. Uh, he really dominated in that game. Hopefully we can see him in the T20 World Cup sides in the T20 World Cup. Uh, on to the next piece of news. Meg Lanning will continue her absence through the WBBL 08. Um, we don't know yet whether she's going to miss the home summer that they're playing against Pakistan. So there, uh, as well as Rachel Hayne, the... Um, Vice-captain for the Australian cricket team has um, retired. So thank you, Rachel Hand, for all she's done. She's a, She was a great fielder and she was an amazing batter as well. So uh, with those two leaders gone, we're going to see... Um, we don't know who the women's captain's going to be, but I most likely think it's probably going to be uh, um, either Alyssa Healy or Elise Perry because they um, have captained um, in the past as well, so I can see them captaining now um, if uh, Meg Lanning doesn't captain for Australia in their home summer. Moving on to the next piece of news, the Marsh One Day Cup, WNCL and Sheffield Shield have all begun here in Australia. There's some been some big stuff um, uh, already in the Sheffield Shield, but we talk about that a little bit later because there's been some big stuff. Elise Perry got her first um, 100 in a while. Um, she got her first wicket as well. Uh, Sophie Molyneux also got 100. Annabelle Sutherland has been in great form. And Beth Mooney um, got the highest score in the uh, for Western Australia in the WNCL ever with 151 runs. So that's great to see some good cricket in the domestic um uh, d domestic sides and at the start of the summer. 41-year-old Michael Hogan has retired from professional cricket after taking 900-plus wickets in all formats. If you didn't know, he um, started playing for Western Australia when he was 28 after a personal, um, something personal that he went through. So it was really great to see him. A 13-year um, career, he ended up moving to... Um, to England started playing for Glamorgan. He's actually dominated in some of the 100 over the last couple of years. 900 plus wickets in all formats. That's really good going. So thank you, um, Michael Hogan, for what he's done for cricket, not only in Australia, but also um, for the county cricket and all professional cricket over in England as well. The Australian women's ODI team have become, statistically, the ICC's best ever team. Their team rating in the ICC charts has reached 170, creating a lead of 51 points in front of second-placed South Africa. This lead is the best any international team has ever had. The 
It's been for a long time that the Australian women's ODI team is just a dominant force. They win all the time. They uh, beat an international record or an Australian record of 22 uh, ODI wins in a row. So it just really reflects how their form has been over the last few years in the one-day international cricket. Tim Payne has made his return to first-class cricket after 18 months after the um, scandal that had happened. He will be the wicketkeeper in the lineup for Tasmania against Queensland. Queensland have won that match officially, so um, they dominated against Tasmania. It was a great match to watch. But also, what I thought was a bit hilarious is that Tim Payne was wearing Peter Siddle's um, long sleeve shirt. They obviously didn't have the time to get him a, um, a one that said Tim Payne on the back. They actually just had number 46 Siddle, so it was a bit confusing. I When I first saw the video, I was like... I, I don't think Peter Siddle should be wicketkeeping, but I was like, oh no, Tim Payne's actually playing. So it was a bit funny at that. 18-year-old Teague Wiley is the youngest Sheffield Shield centurion since Ricky Ponting in the 1992-93 season after making 104 of 204 balls for WA against New South Wales in the season opener. He played very well. To be quite honest, he was one of the only batsmen in the entire game that actually batted well on the wackered um, pitch. Uh, Curtis Patterson made it to about 60 or 70. Then um, he ran out of um, partners in new, for batting in for New South Wales. No other really standouts in that game apart from Teague Wiley. He batted really well. The only batsman that made it to 100 and he batted extremely well and just dug in for the entire inning. So well done to Teague Wiley. And for the last piece of news, News, Australia have won 2-0 and their home T20 International Series against West Indies. The last few years, West Indies haven't been as much of a T20 um, force as um, one may think because Chris Gale retired, Kyron Pollard retired, DJ Bravo retired. A lot of these um, well-known international T20 um, players have actually retired. So they've had to get a few players that not many people have heard of, but hopefully we can see them turn around their T20 form and get back into some dominant force um, for the T20 World Cup. That is all the news for the Weekly Whack this week. Heading on to the next segment. There was a bit of an incident over the last couple of weeks, so we're going to talk about it. What kind of rule is that? This is Obscure Rules. Yes, Obscure Rules is back where we talk about some of the most unknown, controversial or complicated rules in the game of cricket. Today we're going to talk about one of the most historically controversial rules in the game of cricket and that is of course the MANCAD rule. Just a bit of backstory for the MANCAD rule. Since it was implemented in the 1970s or the 1960s, um, it's actually been in the section of the MCC. If you didn't know, the MCC stands for the Marylebone Cricket Club. It's the main cricket club in the Lord's Cricket Ground, one of the most historic cricket clubs in the, in the history of cricket, actually. So um, they had the MANCAD rule underneath unfair play section um, in a law that was 41.16. But earlier this year, when the MCC was uh, changing some rules, adding some rules to the game of cricket in their law book, they actually changed the rule. So it was in section 38 and pretty much just uh, law 38 is just any type of run out. So law 38 outlines every single type of run out and they put the MANCAD rule in it. And actually, it's no longer known as the MANCAD rule since they um, implemented it and put it into the section of runouts. It's now just deemed as a runout. 
because it was in the unfair play section for many, many years. It wasn't really given full consideration when given out from umpires, so it wasn't usually um, given out because it was unfair play. But in my opinion, the batters are at their own risk when they're running out of the popping crease when the bowler's running in. They're at their own risk. The bowler is completely allowed to um, remove the bails off and get a run out. So the law goes like this, 38.3.1, if the non-striker is out of his or her ground at any time from the moment the ball comes into play until the instant when the bowler would normally have been expected to release the ball, the non-striker is liable to be run out. In these circumstances, the non-striker will be run out if he or she is out of his or her ground when his or her wicket is put down by the bowler throwing the ball at the stumps or by the bowler's ball, bowler's hand holding the ball, whether or not the ball is subsequently delivered. So pretty much whenever they're coming into bowl, they are within their right completely to be allowed to run out the um, uh non-striker if they are out of the popping crease. I think this is completely okay. Um, we saw some controversy, some backlash after Deep D. Sharma ran out Charlie Dean at the non-strikers versus England a couple of weeks ago in Julan Goswami's uh, last ever match. I thought that was completely okay, even though it may be deemed unfair play. The Mancad rule is no longer in the unfair play section of the MCC, and I thought it was completely okay for her to do that. She is within her right to um, participate in this type of run-out because now it's just deemed any type of run-out. That is our obscure rule today, which is the Mancad rule, now known as the run-out. It is completely okay, so... If you ever see um, any type of batsman, his or her, um, that are running out of the popping crease when you're going into bowl, don't be afraid to knock over the bowels because you can just tell the umpire, I listened to the Bowled Up podcast and guess what they said. So that is Obscure Rules for today. Moving on to the outro. Thanks for listening to the 23rd episode of the Bailed Up podcast. It's been a really fun episode to make, and um, thank you to Rory, who's um, helping me get an interview organised for future episodes. Uh, we always get that organised, so hopefully we, you can stay tuned in to the Bailed Up podcast because we're really um, excited to have an interview in the future episodes. That is all from me. Check out my Instagram. Check out my friend's podcast, Bounce Down, a footy podcast. And thank you for listening to the 23rd episode of the Bailed Up podcast. My name's Albie, and Albie's out. 